Better Banking is getting an unbelievable 0.99% APR rate on a home equity line of credit from First Commonwealth Bank to turn your bathroom into your, wow, I love this bathroom, bathroom. 0.99% introductory APR for six months that adjusts to a variable rate based on Wall Street Journal prime rate plus or minus a margin with a minimum rate of 2.99% and a maximum rate of 18%. Offer subject to change or withdrawal at any time. Call 1-800-711-2265 for details about credit costs and terms. Equal housing lender, First Commonwealth Bank, member FDIC. Hey sis, so today's a very, very special episode for me. I am introducing you to the number one woman in my life, my grandmother, as I call her nanny. Her name is Nancy Drury. Last night, we laid in bed and we talked and I said, Nan, let's record this, let's put it on the podcast. She said, what are we gonna talk about? I said, talk about your life. This woman has inspired me, she's empowered me, she is the reason why I'm so resilient, she is the reason why I get back up, she is the reason why I am who I am today. It runs through our generations. My grandmother is me. I am her. With that being said, today is a very, very important day in her life. As some of you may know, she's been fighting cancer for the last 55 years, and today she's going into operating. I would love if you could take five to 10 seconds of your day before you hit play on this podcast to send some love, light, and prayers her way. Again, her name is Nancy Drury. All the love and light and prayers to be sent to her because the power of our spirit, the power of our knowledge, the power of our love is beyond powerful. I thank you all. I cannot wait for you to hear her story. This woman is a phenomenal woman. This woman is a legend. And I know you guys all know that your grandmothers are very special women. If you are lucky enough to have one in your life, if not, you can share mine. Girl, we got this. We're literally laying in bed right now. It's like 11 o'clock in Massachusetts. And I was like, we got to do this podcast because last time we didn't get it done, remember? Yeah. So? We forgot about it. I know. And we got busy. Yeah. So we're doing it now, today, and I'm so grateful that you're sharing your story with my audience. I think it's cool that people can learn about me through the other woman in my life. Like mom did a podcast earlier, mm-hmm. and now you're like, you've always been like the matriarch to me and our family. So now like people can learn why I am so strong, why I am so resilient, where it actually comes from. Because it comes from you, you know that, right? I think so. Well, I just hope you know so. It's generational. You pass it down. Yeah. You don't think so? No, I do. Yeah. I want to start by, you know, telling the people about you, um, the age in which you were born, um, and whatever you want to get into and share with these incredible women that can empower them. I think we learn from our elders and powerful women, and to me, you're one of the most powerful women I've ever known in my life. I mean, my grandmother has been fighting cancer for 55 years. Isn't that crazy when you think about it, Nan? Yeah. And they still don't have a cure. Isn't that wild? Yeah. What year were you diagnosed? 1968. You were what, like 23? Yeah, somewhere around there. And you've been living with this and battling it for 55 years. Do you ever stop and like wonder like, wow. No, because when I get it, all I want to do is get it out yeah. and move on. But you do, and you have. Yeah. I mean, we've, we have had surgeries where you did 
get it removed and it's out, but then it grows back because it's a very rare sarcoma cancer. Yeah. So we're dealing with it now again, but we're going to fight and battle it like we always do. Yep. Just I can't have surgery this time. Yeah. So I got other options. Now we just have to figure out what our next battle is. Right. And conquer it. But I know you're going to get through it. I know I'm going to get through it. Yeah. I know you will. I'm a fighter. I'm not I'm not giving up yet. I know you're not. And just because of that, it kind of like heals my soul. It kind of creates less worry for me because I know how strong you are. Yeah. And I think mindset is everything. You know, a lot of times, I don't know if you guys watched the movie Farewell. It's an incredible movie based on this Asian family about this grandma, actually, who found out she had cancer, but the family didn't tell her. Because sometimes when you tell people they have cancer, you automatically go dark in your mind. Oh, I've seen that. Right? Yep. So she just lived life as nothing was wrong. Yes. She didn't have to fear it. Yes. So you don't fear, you don't grow it. Yeah. Because fear and those toxic feelings just increase. Yeah, all that stress. Yeah. Stress really kills. I don't think people actually understand that. No, I don't either. You know, stress is a very scary killer, especially for women. Yeah. You know, um, let's talk about growing up. You were born when? Tell the people. On July 20th, 1945. Wow. 1945. This sweet woman is 75 year old young. You feel young? We used to have like dirt roads. Really? Yeah. Very few cars on the road. Really? Yeah. And, like, if you were walking down, the, say, a, a road that had, like, all woods and everything, somebody would stop and ask if you wanted to ride, and you could get in and just get the ride home. It was safe. And you didn't have to worry. Really? You always made it home. Now, you grew up in Massachusetts. Yeah. What town? I was born and raised in Clinton. Clinton, Massachusetts. So it was a safe area. Yeah. Farmland? No. No, that's your grandfather. He's the farmer. Yeah, he's the farmer. So it was more rural. Yeah. But it was safe back then. Right. Whereas now, you could never do that. Yeah, when I was born, the war was ending. Mm, Yes, I remember that. What was that like? Do you remember any of, like... All I remember is, like, how we used to dress. Women always wore dresses. Long sleeves, collars up to their neck, long skirts... Even when I went to school, you had to wear dresses. You had skirts. to. Yeah. We weren't allowed to wear pants. Really? Even in the winter. And it was cold. I used to wear pants underneath my skirt. Geez. So it was like dress code. Yeah. And you went to a public school. Right. And you still, because you were a woman, had to dress. Yeah. You had to dress the right way. <clears throat> what if you didn't? I think they'd send you home. They'd send you home. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, rules were different back then, you know, like if you were bad, did you come over and tell you, put your hand out, take your ruler and smack your knuckles? And it was fine? Yeah. <laughs> oh, really? Did you ever get your knuckles smacked? No. <laughs> Seriously? No, I was a good girl. <laughs> you were? <laughs> In yeah. school anyway. Yeah, I was. <laughs> I did stuff and they never caught me. <laughs> That's my girl. Did you ever get like busted? I mean, like any of your friends? Did you ever see like your friends get like smacked? Yeah. Really? 
Yeah. That's wild. Could you imagine that nowadays? Like, it's if just mostly the boys. Oh yeah. You know, because they used to make spitballs and put them in the straw and spit them at us. Really? <clears throat> <laughs> That's a wild Nana. Well, you'd see these paper airplanes flying all over the place. They used to distract us class all the time. Really? Yeah, and we and all of us would have to stay after school because of the boys. Yep. Literally, how annoying is that? And then I would have to walk home. Why? There's no buses. Oh, yeah. How long was that walk? Hmm, I'd say a good four or five miles. Wow, every single day back and forth to school. Yep, and like in the wintertime, it gets dark. Oh, and cold and freezing yeah. cold. Jeez. That sucks. I know. <laughs> Four to five miles in the snow, Nan. Mm-hmm. I used to have to walk five minutes to my bus stop in the snow, and I hated it. Well, we were poor, too, because I had—I was one of nine kids, and I'm the oldest. Wow. So after time, I didn't have boots. I had sneakers. Jeez. Until by the time I got home, my feet were soaking wet. Wow. We used to lay them on the, the floor on the register, and the heat would dry them by the time morning came. Wow. <clears throat> I'm like really just like retracting right now thinking like do you see where you started to build that resilience and that strength as a kid unaware yeah you know what I mean not knowing how like you were laying the foundation of your power and of your strength Mm -hmm. by simply having to do these type of things as a child and not knowing even when I was like in fifth grade my mother had was pregnant, of course, having another one. Mm-hmm. My sister Paula was ready to go to kindergarten, and she didn't want to go. And I had to stay downstairs with her, and her teacher said, just stay with her for a little while. Well, my sister ran out of class. When she ran out of class, she lost her spot. Mm. So she had to go into kindergarten class she didn't want to go in. But that was her fault, not mine. Yeah. Then I was late getting upstairs to my class, and the teacher's yelling at me, and I'm like, it's not my fault. Yeah. It's not my thought that my mother couldn't get here. She didn't have a car. Right. So. What was it like growing up poor back in the day? I don't know. I I don't think we really realized. No. No, because everything was, it was calm. It was different. Like, compared to what poor is now. You know what I mean? Like, maybe. We had what we needed. Right. I think being poor is also perspective it's a spectrum right yeah people think being poor are are it's different to everybody's it is right what was it like to for you i don't know i was the oldest of of nine kids and like i always got new clothes because there was nobody bigger than me (laughs) (laughs) my sisters used to get my hand hand me downs right and my cousins would bring their clothes and my sisters would get theirs because they were always, you know, smaller than yeah. me. Yeah. And my brothers, you know, they used to get clothes, you know, like at the Salvation Army sometimes. Yeah. She's even taken us there to get shoes at times. Yeah. Hey, I go. I used to go to Salvation Army thrift shopping in Gardner. Yeah. Yeah, when I lived back at home. My brother still does. You can find some good stuff. Yeah, you can find some cool stuff if you take the time to look. Yeah, totally. Wow. That's incredible to me that, you know, you in that time, the oldest of nine children, too. That's a lot of siblings. Yeah, every time she had a kid, I had to take care of it. Wow. So you were really like the mother. 
yeah, change diapers, make bottles, sterilize bottles. Why? Yeah. Why was it on you? Was your mother just not? <coughs> she wasn't. She wasn't well. She wasn't capable. No, she um, lost a lot of weight being pregnant with my, um, the last four kids. She got bam, 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 you know, mm. one after the other. Mm -hmm. And it really depleted her health. Wow. So then as the oldest, you had to step in and become selfless mm -hmm. at such a young age. What age were you becoming this mother-like figure to your brothers and sisters? Like 16. Wow. At 16, you started putting others before you to take care of them. Yep. I used to have to get up in the morning, make a big pot of oatmeal mm. to feed everybody. Mm. You know, give them all their juice, put the dishes in the sink, wash them. We were um, overpopulated, so my class, we had afternoon class. Right. The other kids had, you know, the morning. We were the baby boomers. Mm. So I was home all morning long, so I did a lot of stuff before I left. Right. And then I would go to school, and my stepfather would have his aunt come over and help my mother with the other kids. Right. But I never had time to do homework or anything. So I got frustrated. I only had one more year of school left, and I quit. Mm. I shouldn't have, but much. I did. Yeah. But it was too much to bear. I couldn't. There's nowhere to study. There's kids everywhere screaming and yelling. Mm. You know, one wants a bottle. One wants a clean diaper. You know. It was hard to focus in a home like that. It was. So, I mean, staying and in And we school, only had one bathroom. Really? Figure that out. Hey. <laughs> so you guys had 11 people with one bathroom? Yeah. We had seven with one bathroom, so I kind of get it, but I can't even imagine five more. Yeah. Jeez. Four more. Sorry, my math is kind of bad. Seven That's plus right. four is 11. Wow. Yeah. Do you ever look back and think, like, look what I've been through and look what I've overcame? Yeah, I, yeah, I think stuff like that, you know, like... When I took care of my mother's kids, and then I immediately jumped into a marriage and was pregnant and yeah. had my own. So it's just continued. Yeah. So can we talk about that? Can we talk about you meeting Papa? How you mm. met Papa? Because I think my audience would love to hear this story. It's such a good story. I have some really funny Insta stories about this for my Papa. And when I release this episode, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share it. My grandfather passed away this past November 2019. Um, bless his heart, bless his soul. My grandmother and grandfather were married for 55 years. And um, you got to hear the story of how they met and tell them. I was dating another guy named Lee. And we didn't have cell phones or anything back then. We had mm -hmm. phone booths. And so he was at a phone booth and he calls me. And so we're talking. And Raj came riding up with his bike and he's like, who are you talking to? And he tells him, you know, my girl. Now, Roger is my grandfather. Right. Just so you guys know. And then he's like, let me say hi. And he's like, no. And next thing you know, the phone's whamming around inside the phone booth. And then all of a sudden, this other guy's on the phone. So we're talking. And um, this other guy is now my grandfather. Yeah. Pop. Yeah. Roger. Yes. So, I don't know. Long story short, he got my phone number. And he was calling me every other thing. 
and I was still dating Lee. But then Lee started, you know, telling his family that we were getting married. He didn't even ask me to get married, and he thought I was marrying him. And I'm like, uh, no, I'm not ready for that. Hey, he liked what he saw. He was trying to claim the prize. I don't blame him. Well. <laughs> and then Roger, my soon-to-be husband, and his friend Bill came to my house. And Bill played he was Roger, and Roger played he was Bill. And I told him he was full of crap <laughs> because I recognized the voice. Mm-hmm. And he was, they were both started laughing. They thought they were funny. <laughs> and my you know, younger brothers and sisters are all like, who's this? Who's this? How old were you when this was all happening when you met 19. Pop? 19. So then he comes to your place. Yep. And how does that go? It, it went all right. Yeah? Yeah. I had to sneak because my, my mother and stepfather always went shopping on Friday night. Uh-huh. So I snuck them in and snuck them out before they got home because I knew how long they'd be gone. Yeah. And then one day he just came to the house and picked me up, came inside, introduced himself. Mm -hmm. My mother was like, I don't like him. I don't want you with him. Mm. I said, I don't care if you like him or not. Mm. I do. Mm. And she's like, no, you need to be with Lee. And I said, you go be with Lee. Tell him, girl. I remember. You followed your gut. I did. There's power in that. You know that? Yeah. Yeah, if you don't follow your gut, you you really can be lost. Yeah. How did that feel when your mother said that? She never really liked him. I don't care because she didn't marry him, I did. Yeah. And he didn't marry her. Yeah. It was your choice. It's your exactly. life. And I made it my life, and we, we lived together 40, 55 years. Yeah. We had four kids of our own. Mm-hmm. Our four kids had eight grandkids. Yeah. And our eight grandkids turned into 13 great. <laughs> Imagine that from two people. Imagine that two humans created over, over what? How many? I can't do the math, guys. I'm bad with numbers. But like over 25 people. Yeah. From you two alone. You have over 10 grandchildren. Great grandchildren. Right. I got 13. Wow. <clears throat> Isn't that beautiful? Yeah, it is. It's really beautiful. And, and you really get to enjoy them. Mm. What's your favorite part about it, being a grandmother? Just just watching them run around and how happy they are. And, yeah. You know, they don't squabble or, you know, if they do, they <laughs> squabble when I'm not around. Right. What was I like, Nana, as a kid? What were you Because like? I was the first girl. Yeah, you were my first granddaughter. So I have an older cousin named Nick. And then I came out right after him. Yeah, Nick was born in December. Tisha was born in February. Yeah. And, of course, Letitia was my favorite for some reason. <laughs> Everybody knows she still is. <laughs> Just saying, people. <laughs> Just saying. <coughs> Deanna. <coughs> okay. Continue. <laughs> but the day she was mm-hmm. being born, I um, took my son to school and dropped him off because he was still in school. And I went up to the hospital because I was going to relieve her father. Because he had been there all night, and I thought, you know, I'll go home. I mean, I'll go to the hospital, and I'll let him go take a shower, freshen up, get something to eat. And I get there, and the nurses is running after me with a Johnny and boots to put on my feet, you know, and a thing over my head, and then I was going in to meet my granddaughter. Because mom was having labor. She already had you. Really? Yeah, but she didn't have you when I was here on the phone with her. 
But by the time I got to the hospital, you were here. Wow. And you weren't expecting <clears throat> that that fast. No, no. I was expecting to just let your dad go home. Yeah. To shower, you know. But there you were. <laughs> what did you think? What was I like? You're just laying there with your tongue going in and out of your mouth. <laughs> I, I used to call you my little lizard. Really? Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. Now, I know we have a lot of stories about me growing up because growing up, my mom and dad lived, so my grandmother owns a duplex, and we lived on the other side of the duplex. Right. And um, I used to wait every day for my nan to come home. And I'd come home from work, and she'd be coming out the door, coming up, up the stairs with me, and her mother would be like, you can't bother Nan like that. And I'd be like, she's fine. She's fine. <laughs> and I'd take her upstairs. My name was always my girl from the day one. I remember one day driving home and you didn't realize it was me. And you had the door open in the front. And you were giving the finger to the cars as they were going by. <gasps> and so I knocked on your mother's back door and I said, go see what your daughter's doing. She's like, why? I said, you're not going to like it. <laughs> <laughs> Mom probably taught me, let's be honest. Yeah, probably. Mom or dad, one of the two. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure it wasn't something hopefully we'll <laughs> Yeah. <coughs> oh, my gosh. I remember the stories you told me that um, in the summers it was so hot. Mom and Nan would get a swimming pool and put a kiddie pool in the house to cool me down. Yeah, right in the living room. <laughs> put a pool in the living room so she could watch her soap operas <laughs> and you could be in the water and cool down. Mm -hmm. It was funny. And then you would fan me? Yeah. Oh, my God. She says, Mom, the only way I can get her to sleep is if you take a pillow and you wave it back and forth over her body. I'm like, I'm not doing that. <laughs> and you wouldn't shut up. And sure enough, I was doing it. <laughs> oh, I love you so much. Yeah, guys, I was spoiled. But More. I say in, with good intention. Yeah. With good love and, you know... I feel like every child deserves to be loved. I don't even like the world spoiled. What spoiled actually mean? That you just love know. something so much that it makes other people some, jealous? Some kids get more than other kids, you know? Yeah. That's spoiled to me. But Yeah. If, if you're loved by your parents and your siblings and your grandparents, that's not spoiled. It's not spoiled. That's love. Yeah. And I think... Actually, some people never experience that type of love. So out of projection and maybe out of anger or envy, maybe they call it spoiled. Yeah, maybe. You know, I, I, I was thinking about that because I'm like, what is like sucky word to use? Yeah. You know what I mean? Spoiled. No, they're loved and they're I mean, loved even fully. When you were little, Nick used to come over to play with you. And Nick would always pull your hair, bite you in the face. Sheesh. You know. And one day he took a, a metal lunch bucket and whacked you over the head and you went screaming and crying to your mother. Mm. And your mother, I mean, Annie Ann just sat there. Yeah. I was like, oh, my God, we're going to have a fight for sure. <laughs> and, and all your mother said was, well, go hit him back because mm -hmm. she wasn't correcting him. Yeah. And you picked up the lunchbox. Nobody told you to pick up the lunchbox. You picked it up and you went and bashed him back. Damn right. So he learned not to mess with you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love that. You know, there's so many things that get instilled with us in those years, you know, in those ages. As a young toddler, that's when you're really forming and creating this brain. 
inside of you, you know, your mind, body, and spirit, what you're surrounded by, what's being fed to you, what's being taught to you. Mm-hmm. So, hey, in that moment, I taught to stand up for myself. And, you know, when you were little, too. I used to have, like, all kinds of, you know, trucks and cars and whatnot for Tim. I mm-hmm. mean, for Nick. And then I would have dolls and stuff for you. And give you an empty box and you two would fight over it. You didn't even want the Don toys. <laughs> it was something, I'll tell you. <laughs> oh, the joy of being a grandma. <laughs> I don't call my grandma grandma, guys. Also, I call her nanny. I think that's cool, too. I love hearing, like... What people call their grandma because there's always really cool names yeah right yeah i don't know the audience is listening like what do you call your grandma i think it's so cool what did you call your grandma nan grandma grandma yeah i know there's so many other names uh fun cool names that people have yeah i love the it. french call their grandmother's meme yeah there's you opa and, and you named me nanny nanny i did yeah see that's cool that's cool i love that so I want to talk about this this battle that you've been battling all your life of cancer. You know, I think we as women have to start talking about these things, you know, and I think we as women can help each other get through these type of things because I'm sure there's maybe could be right now somebody listening with a really bad illness at 23 years old when you were first diagnosed. Now, mind you, you, you had kids at this time yeah. in your life. Yeah. And you got diagnosed with cancer. How did you mentally prepare yourself to battle this cancer at 23 years old being a mother? I, don't, I, I knew I was going in for surgery. And so I would just make sure the kids were all set with their, their clothes for school and play. Mm-hmm. And I would prepare, you know, like casseroles and stuff for them so they had food. Yeah. And I don't know. I just went to the hospital and did what I had to do and... They took it out, and I'd spring back and come home and start all over. Like, it was never no question that you just kind of did what you had to do and kept it moving. Yep. Do you think that this rare cancer came from stress? I don't know. It could have. Yeah? Because I've had a lot of stress in my life. Yeah, you have a lot of stress in your life. Yeah. It's getting better. Yeah, it is. It's releasing. You're releasing a lot of it. Yeah. Now, growing up, we're going to get back to the cancer aspect, but since you brought up this stressor thing, growing up, you know, in the 1940s, you really weren't, were you ever taught how to deal with stress? No. Were, I mean, was therapy even a thing? I don't think so. No? No, we just, when I was like six years old, I can remember a doctor coming to our house to give us like a vaccination for school because mm-hmm. you had to have a vaccination. Mm-hmm. And he would give my brothers and sisters, you know, like a booster shot or whatever they needed. Always come to the house. Wow. We never went to the office. Mm. But there was never no mental health. There was never nothing to deal with. No. All the inner stuff that you were dealing with. No. Even if you um, were having a problem with your husband, there was no way to really run and get help. Really? You know, you had to either deal with it or, you know, move on and hope he don't find you. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. It is. You know, and we women oftentimes still feel like that present day. You know, mm-hmm. we feel stuck in these situations 
where we're like, where do we go? I mean, now there's a lot more places to find help. Right. Back then for you, there wasn't. Right. You know, and back then, like your job was to be a mother, a housewife and take care of the kids. Yeah, it was expected that you were going to just get married and have kids. And, you know, the woman didn't really work. They stayed home and took care of the kids and did the laundry and made the meals and, you know, all that good stuff. Did you enjoy it? I didn't mind it. No? I like cooking. Yeah. You do cook really good. And I like to iron, and nobody likes to iron. <laughs> I, I just find it helps me release a lot of stress. Yeah. That's good. Did you have any dreams as a young girl that you wanted to do that you never got to do? Like, did you ever have, like, aspirations to become something besides uh, a mother? Or was that just, like, what you saw, so that's all you could emulate? Yeah, that's all I ever thought about was getting married and having some kids. Wow. Because that's all you ever saw. Yeah. That was your environment. Yeah. We're all products of our environment. And I say environment as in the time, the age that we were born into, our family, our household, our mother and father, um, our school, our friends, Mm -hmm. what we're brought up in. It all plays a huge factor into that. Yeah. That's so cool. So I want to go back to this cancer. So at 23, you had your first surgery and it got taken out of you. Yep. And you kept going. Yeah. Now it came back. At what age? Mm, I don't remember. I just know it was 22 years later. Yes. That so all in of your a sudden 40s. It was back. In your 40s, it comes back. Yeah. And it's bigger, of course. Mm-hmm. But I had gone for CAT scans a few times, and nothing was showing. And I was like, I'm not going to keep wasting money on co-pays. Yeah. Nothing's showing. Right. Why do I have to keep going to have a CAT scan? Right. And back then, you didn't drink water with, with the little stuff in it like they do now. You drank this chalky crap. Nasty oh, water. It was gross. Really? Ugh. Ugh. It was, ugh. That's nasty, Nana. Yeah, it looked like milk, but it was thick and tastes like crap. You had to drink it at the hospital? Yeah. Ew. Well, we took, like, four bottles home, and I had to drink one before I went to bed, drink one when I got up, drink one on the way to the hospital, and then drink one while I was there waiting to get in. Mm. Mm. The things we have to do to fight these battles. Yeah. Right? And now you fought that battle and you won it again. Yeah, I'm going to win this one too. And you're going to win this one too. How did you get this resilience? I don't know. I want to live. I don't want to die. There's things to do. There's things to see. Yeah. I like, I enjoy seeing my grandkids grow. Mm -hmm. You know, I've watched you graduate from college. Yeah. And Deanna graduated. You know, and I've seen my grandson turn to a CEO, CEO, whatever he is. A correctional officer. Yeah. Yeah. And my other grandson's a cook. Mm-hmm. You know. And I got a granddaughter that works at a bank. And they're, they're all over the place. They all have their own little... But what about you? What Besides about us. Because, you know, I know you. You've always lived for us. You've always lived for your husband. That's what gives me pleasure, though. It does? Yeah. But what gives Nancy Drury pleasure? Watching my kids. 
Okay, but say we're say no I'm out of the picture. Close. Say I'm out of the picture. No, you're never out of the picture. Okay, now. you're making this difficult for me. <laughs> if you were here by yourself, and I had no family, I don't want to say that. If you were here by yourself and say we were all on a vacation somewhere, what would you do for pleasure? What would you do to find your own happiness? I don't know. I I do things now. Like I I paint. I crochet. Yeah, you do love to crochet. Yeah. And, yeah. and I paint a lot of um, statues. Yeah. I, I enjoy doing that stuff. You do? Yeah. I got to get you some more. I painted some la- a Last Supper picture. Yeah. That was beautiful. Yeah. You know I like to paint too? Do you? I have an easel. Oh. I'll show you. You know, when I went through my last depression a couple months ago mm-hmm. after I miscarriage, painting was like my release. And I just remember I wanted to paint to like kind of like create what I was going through. Yeah. So every color was a different phase of my depression. And I can see and I'm the only one that knows what each color and shape and paint stroke means. Yeah. It was really cool. Yeah. Sounds cool. It helped me a lot. Yeah. It helped me a lot. Maybe that's why I get the painting from you. Yeah. Like Deanna's a mage because she never knew I painted. Mm-hmm. Of course, they all know that I crochet. Yeah. But they never knew I made macrame either. I'm going to buy you an easel. <laughs> I am. It's beautiful. I have so much canvas, too. It's fun, Nana. Yeah. And it's a good release. I want to talk about this newfound love that you found about journaling. You know, my grandmother and I talked about, you know, after losing my grandfather in November, like how to like deal with her grief. She doesn't feel comfortable with talk therapy. And I think that's fine. Like, everybody heals differently, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody grieves differently. And I think you found solace in journaling. Yeah. How does it make you feel writing? Because I know it's new for you. It is new. And it, it's like a release. Yeah. You know, you, you write what you've thought and did all day long. And then it just makes you, you know, think. Like, rethink mm-hmm. your day. Mm-hmm. And... Usually I feel pretty good about what I've done. You reflect. Yeah. And you find gratitude. Yeah. That's so much power. There's so much power in just being grateful for what you have. I just don't like it when I get sneaky granddaughters that think they can come in and read it. Hey, it wasn't me. I know that. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't me. Oh, that's a violation of privacy, people. I want to I wanna put that out there, too. I think, you know, what we do in our grief... Some people share it. I share my grief in hopes to help other people. Well, if she asked me if she could read it, I would say yeah. I don't really care. Yeah, but it's you know? different when people are invading because yeah. those are your vulnerable thoughts. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm with you, girl. 100%, Anna. I want to talk about how I've watched my grandmother become this powerful, resilient, sometimes emotionless in a, not a negative way. But I've never seen my grandmother really break down. I've never. You're this like strong, still-faced, beautiful matriarch for me. And you're so selfless. Like just asking you, what would you do for, like for you? You couldn't even answer me that question. No, because I really don't know what I would do for me. I mean, I do stuff for me, you know, like... I, I enjoy cleaning my house. I enjoy, you know, 
painting, like I said, and yeah, crocheting. And but this has nothing to do with anything. It has everything to do with how you were raised and what you became. You were always giving yourself up for everybody else. Yeah, that's all you've ever known. That's just me. Yeah, that's literally embedded in you. It's ingrained in you from your childhood. Yeah, and then you continued that from your childhood to your marriage to your children to your grandchildren. I think it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, I don't see anything wrong with it. No, I don't see. You're happy with that. Yeah, I am. Now, as your granddaughter, as the woman that I am today, I look and I go, man, I wish my Nana was able to live a little bit more. You know, I wish you were able to do more things and not worry about so many people because you still worry about everybody. You know, I saw you take care of my grandfather when your cancer came back and you literally put your cancer on the back burner and took care of my grandfather like nothing was going on with you. Yeah, I I tried to tell him, but he didn't really comprehend what I was trying to tell him. Yeah, he was kind of out of it Yeah, at that point, I think. When I think at one back. point he did understand mm-hmm. that it was back, you know, and... You know, he just said to me, well, what are you going to do? And I said, fight it like I always do. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And I just, and I saw you fight it. I, I saw you literally keep my grandfather alive as long as you could. And I thank you for that. But I also, it's like this torn feeling inside of me where I'm like, fuck, I wish my grandmother was able to put herself first in so many different ways. And I know it's hard for you. It's hard for a lot of women. It is. Yeah, because I'm always doing for everybody else. Mm -hmm. And I don't feel like I put myself on a back burner. Mm -mm. It just comes natural. Yeah. Because that's all you've ever known. Yeah. And as your granddaughter, I'm, you know, I love therapy. Mm -hmm. You saw me in therapy and you saw, it's very powerful for me. It's changing a lot of things. (coughs) There's a piece of me that is making sure that I'm able to, you know, kind of break that idea of always having to put myself as a woman on the back burner. (coughs) It's okay, Nana, you can let it out. But, you know, I was saying, like, you know, this generational, whether it's trauma or not, you know, however you want to see it, you know, I've been really working on, like, wow, I don't have to put myself last. I can put myself first. I don't have to be with these men that don't really treat me the way I want to be treated. They don't appreciate you. Yeah. I don't, and I don't have to be with them. No. You know, I don't have to do all these things that I've watched growing up, you know, through the woman that I've admired all my life. And I can break that. Mm-hmm. And it's it's so cool to be here with you and share that with you and honor you at the same time because I don't know how you did what you did, Nan. I don't know. A lot of women get married these days and they have one fight and they head for divorce court. Yeah. And they make it so easy. You know, you go in, you have a little bit of counseling, you've made up your mind, you want a divorce, that's it. I don't know. I I, I always fought. Yeah. You're a fighter. I am. You're a fighter. And that's why I'm a fighter. So thank you for giving me that fighting gene, girl. <laughs> we are fighters. Period. Well, yeah. 
You know what I mean? And I and I thank God I have that attribute from you. Cuz I could have broke I could have broken so many times in my life. Oh yeah. I mean, we all break, but we all pick ourselves back up and go. Yeah. I like to say we brent, we bend, we don't break. Okay. You know what I mean? My like, grandfather used to say you got to get over that bump to get to the next side. Yeah. It's true. Every every bad day every dark time i've ever had it's only opened so much more brightness and light in my life like i had to go through the dark times to get to this great space that i'm in now right you know we had to and i feel like women are so underestimated i feel like i've never met a woman that wasn't strong have you no we're so powerful yeah and even even like the president of the United States, it's his wife that pushes him to do stuff that he does. Yeah. No man can do it without a woman. Yeah. That's no my man thought. can do it without a woman. You hear that? <laughs> Ladies, are you hearing this? Fellas, are you hearing this? <laughs> it's true. It is. It's true. We are life force. We literally create human beings. I'd love to see a man carry a baby. You know they can't carry no damn baby. Never. Could you imagine a man giving labor? Oh, my God. He'd be such a whiner. You'd want to <laughs> smack him. <laughs> Men, we love you. But, hey, we're just keeping it 100 right now. You know, we as women have to come together and honor each other and really hold each other into our power because sometimes this patriarchy oppresses us and oppresses our power. It keeps us at this level where... We're like questioning ourselves all the time or making ourselves small. Yeah. We don't have to anymore. No, we don't. We don't. What do you think about that as living from in the 1940s to 2020 and seeing the evolution of the woman? I think it's great because women have more power. Women can vote. Women can do anything they set their mind to do. And you weren't able to do that growing up in your time. No. Does it empower you? Yeah. Do you think that you'll see a female president? Mm, maybe. Yeah, I think we will. I think that'll be cool. It'll. It's going to be interesting right now. I don't like talking about <coughs> politics. That's a whole other conversation. But, yeah. you know, the female energy right now is very powerful. Yeah. And I'm glad you're getting to see and feel it and be a part of it. Yeah, because your story right now, everybody's listening is like feeling empowered and being like, "Damn, that woman's a G." You know, everybody calls you my gr- gangster grandma. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Everyone calls you my gangster. I know. <laughs> I can be gangster sometimes. Oh, gangster sometimes. Y'all need to see my grandmother. First of all, where she lives, she she's a G. She lives next to all these college kids and runs the block. Don't mess with this woman. Don't. She's a G, a true G, a G that I'm so honored to call my grandmother. And I know it's time to go to bed, so I want to ask you one thing. If you were able to tell your 17-year-old self one thing, what would it be? Stay in school. Mm. If you stayed in school, what would you think your life would have been like? I don't know. I would have graduated and... I don't know. It probably wouldn't have changed anything, really. But I would have felt better about me. About yourself. Yeah, because that's one thing I succeeded in doing is all four of my kids graduated. Mm -hmm. 
And that's one thing that you've always wanted to do. Yeah. I mean, I, I, mean, I could go back to school and I could do it. Yeah. I think we should do that. I'm going to look into it tomorrow. <laughs> you can get your GED. Oh, I know. Let's do it. Me and you. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm doing this tomorrow. Guys, I'll keep you updated on my Nan's um, graduation. Maybe we'll have a party. We'll have a podcast party. Or you guys will watch my IG stories. Let's do it. I think that'll be cool. What do you think? I don't know. I got to get rid of my tumor first. Okay. Tumor first, then diploma. Cool? Okay. Okay. Anything you want to tell the ladies listening to the podcast? Any inspiring words? No, just just go by your gut. If your gut tells you you shouldn't be doing it, don't do it. You heard it here first. Trust your intuition. You're smarter than what you think. You're more powerful. Your knowing is the way of life. Stop dumbing what you know down. Trust your intuition. Mm-hmm. Ladies, I'm so blessed that you were able to talk to my grandma, hear her story, hear her truths, hear some wild stories about me growing up. I love you all. Girl, we got this. We're about to go to bed. Tired? Good night. <laughs> Good night, girl. Tell him, man. Good night. We got this. <laughs> love y'all. 